Good morning. Welcome to Summit 21. Can you say thank the Lord we're here? Wow. What a, has it been a year? It feels like it's been 10 years that we've been moving through this pandemic. There, there are so many, so many comments. I'm, I'm in brain overload right now. First of all, thanks to Lee and Joe. Didn't they do a great job presenting the, those resources? And, and I have to laugh at the, at the AG Shield. Did anyone expect that's gonna come back around someday? But they are rocking it on their merch, and uh, thank you guys so much. And uh, the video, uh, that's the first time I've seen it. Uh, our new um, communications lead, and I don't know, Anthony, are you in the room? If you are, uh, do 10 jumping jacks real quick. I, I don't see him. Where, where is he? He's in the booth, all right. Anthony Burgos is our new communications lead. Would you welcome Anthony today? Great job on that video, Anthony. So I heard a story about a, a young pastor who was new to his church, new to the community, and he kind of made friends with one of the local funeral home directors, and the, the, the funeral home director thought he would bless this young minister, you know, when you're, you're young and new in a small church setting, and he, he started giving this uh, young minister uh, some of the funerals where people didn't have a pastor. And so the, the funeral director calls this young pastor and says to him, um, I have an awkward kind of a little funeral for you to do. Would you do it? There's really no family but the person in charge of the estate has asked that I please make these arrangements and, and the, uh, the, 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 there's not going to be a viewing, there's not going to be a funeral service per se, just the internment. And the young man, just grateful to, uh, to be used, uh, said, sure, I'll do it. And so the funeral director gave him directions to this out-of-the-way cemetery. How many of you have ever done a funeral at one of those, you know? And, and so uh, the, the young man kind of got a late start. He was supposed to be there at 11.30 for this internment, just the, uh, the funeral director, and he got lost. He got all turned around out on these backcountry roads, and he doesn't get to the cemetery until noon. And he is mortified. He's absolutely beside himself with embarrassment. He pulls up to this, to this uh, uh, cemetery and no hearse, no car, just a couple of workers that are, that are on a mound of dirt eating their lunch. He just, oh my goodness, I'm late. The workers are here to cover up the casket. And he's, he's embarrassed, but he, he's made a commitment. He's going to fulfill this commitment. And so he goes up to the guys and he says, guys, I am so sorry. I'm embarrassed beyond words. Um, I have made a commitment that I'm going to uh, do this internment, and I see that the funeral director's already gone, but you guys go ahead and have your coffee and have your lunch. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And, and so he, he gets up and he preaches this little mini sermon that he had prepared, and I mean to tell you, he's, he's, he gives it all he has. He just throws his whole spirit, his whole soul, and, and he, he really sends this deceased person out with a flare. 
He gets done in about 15, 20 minutes, and he, he goes over to the worker and says, thank you uh, for allowing me to fulfill my obligation. He gets in his car and he pulls away, and the one fellow's munching on his sandwich, and he's got his cup of coffee, and he looks at his partner and he goes, I've been installing septic systems for 40 years, and I ain't never seen anything like that before. We have been through a season of history where folks, we can say, I have never seen anything like this before. It's just been whacked. Who would have ever imagined that we would be having controversies in church? Now, now listen, predestination, <laughs> eternal security, baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've been used to having conversations and debates about such doctrinal imperatives. But this, really? And yet it's the season that we find ourselves functioning in ministry. It's getting harder to remember what normal was. We've now been functioning in this pandemic for over a year. We've been impacted, conditioned, and habituated by the coronavirus. Normal looks very different in 2021 than it ever has in our lifetime. There are new norms that have not only been established by the pandemic, but due to social unrest, social injustice, and social issues of our day, life looks different. We were warned that COVID-19 would produce a new normal. What we didn't realize is what that new normal might look like. And in, in our church context, people once faithful in their participation in church life have gone MIA. They're missing in action. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Are you trying to figure out why it's okay to go to Target, but you can't go to church? Come on now. <laughs> Who would have ever imagined that it feels like a risk to gather around someone and lay hands on them? Isn't that supposed to heal them? And yet we feel exposed to the transmission of the virus. And, and who would have ever guessed <laughs> that small gatherings would be pre preferred to large gatherings? Friend, if you're in a small church context, this is your moment. <laughs> and now we're moving toward herd immunity. I really wanted a cow right there. I, uh, there it is. 
Don't get distracted, keep moving. (laughs) Moving toward herd immunity as we move out of and through the pandemic. Friends, we're going to have to, we're going to have to adjust again. There's another page that will turn. There's another change that is coming. And we have to prepare our spirit for it. We've been talking for this last several months in our publications and in our conversations about the power of re. That prefix re means to do again, to do anew, to go back and do something over. We're going to have to reimagine ministry in a post-pandemic world. We've had to change going into this pandemic. We're going to have to change as we come out of it. Samuel Rodriguez wrote a book from Survive to Thrive. And in his book, he talks about change. And he says this, change either focuses us to survive or reveals an opportunity for us to thrive. Following the voice of his spirit and relying on his power enables us to embrace change without fear. And can I just hit the pause button here, folks? Sometimes we as ministers, we in ministry, we project onto those that we lead, they don't like change. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They don't like change. Let's face it, we don't like it a whole lot either. Change is always good when it's someone else. But when it's required of us, it looks different. So Rodriguez goes on to say, following the voice of his spirit and relying on his power enables us to embrace change without fear, trusting that our growing pains, no matter how severe, will draw us closer to God and enable us to serve his kingdom with greater impact. Change can have that outcome. It draws us, it presses us actually closer to the Lord. And it provides an opportunity for greater impact. Oh, by the way, the book, From Survive to Thrive, is available free of charge in the kids' town area. One per couple, please. Samuel Rodriguez is going to be with us at Thrive in October. And he's going to share with us on Monday night. And we thought we would bless you with this book. It's a good devotional read. I believe it'll help you along. We ministers of the gospel will have to have help to help some people re-engage their faith. We're going to be required to help others re-engage. We're going to have to help people through their anxiety. This year of mask reinforcement has impressed itself upon our soul. My, one of my greatest concerns is for the youngest among us, children who this is now normal. And I heard about some kids that were leaving the house and going to get, they got in the car and one of the kids said, 
my God. She covered her mouth and ran back to the house and her mom said, what is the matter with you? I forgot my mask. Anxiety is going to stick with our kids for a while. We as ministers are going to have to help people through the rhythms of reintegration, of adjusting again. The pandemic disrupted us. How many of you know the pandemic doesn't have to define us? Can you say a good amen? Church life may change in some expressions, but that doesn't mean that we have to accept diminished values. I've heard some predictions say there are going to be people who will never come back to church. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be content to leave people outside the flock, outside the fold. I think Jesus developed a metaphor for us, didn't he? Leave the 90 and the nine, go get the one. We're going to have to help people get through their fears. There was a, a leader, he, his name's Dr. Bruce Winston. He wrote a book in 2002, and here's the title of the book. It's so challenging, it's almost abrasive. Be a leader for God's sake. Friends, we've been called to lead. Let's lead. We've led through a pandemic. Let's lead out of a pandemic. Can you say a good amen? And Judges 5.2, Deborah is speaking. She's actually offering a song of praise after the Lord had given victory to the Israelites through her leadership. Here's what she says. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Leaders lead can I say that again? The interesting paradox of her statement was that leaders were refusing to lead in her day. I want to challenge us collectively, ministers. We've been called to lead. Let's lead. Don't accept mediocrity. Don't accept defeat. Don't ex accept prophets of doom. There will be some who will never return. Go get them. Go get them. I was a stupid youth pastor once. <laughs> Actually lasted about seven years. And we, did it, we did an exercise one Wednesday night I don't know if it was a brilliant idea or an idea born out of frustration, but we assigned four drivers to go to kids' homes who were absent from youth group and get them. So teams got together on a Wednesday night, and I can still remember, her name was Carolyn Mackignon, and, and she had a brother, and they were chasing him through the backyards of his neighborhood. 
to grab him, throw him in the van, and get him to youth group. He was a visitor. (laughs) That's called aggressive evangelism. Leaders lead. In our text this morning, Jesus has been doing a seminar, if you'll allow me. Seminars on discipleship. And when we arrive at chapter 15, he's talking about connectedness and fruitfulness. We need to be connected. Remain connected. Abide in the vine. Verses one through seven, Jesus urges us. The life-giving attachment that is essential to every Christ follower is found in our connectedness to him. And from that connectedness comes fruitfulness. You see, we've been saved, filled, and called for a reason. Fruitfulness. This is the produce that grows from that connection. The produce of love, joy, and peace as we see it in the previous verses of the chapter. Connectedness leads to healthy pastors. Fruitfulness leads to thriving churches. This segment of Jesus' teaching reaches a crescendo in verse 16. And speaking of music, was not that band awesome today? Did they not do a great job? Thank you, Josh Schaefer. And and I especially enjoyed that video, that music video that they did, God So Loved the World. Wow. Wow. This segment of Jesus' teaching reaches a crescendo in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. The King James Version says, ordained you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is our focus this morning. Let's pray it into our spirit, shall we? Father, I pray that this word will be embedded in our heart, in our mind, and in our spirit. I pray that, Lord, the result of our gathering today will be much fruitfulness and much connectedness. In a season of change, unthinkable cultural shifts that we've all been subject to this last year and a quarter now. I pray that you will strengthen the soul of our minister, their spouses, and the contexts in which we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been leading, serving, and ministering throughout a pandemic. Are you tired, fatigued, feeling half spent? Many do. You may be wondering, can I, can I make it another lap? Can I do another pivot? Can I endure one more conspiracy theory? Listen to Jesus. 
Listen as he draws us in close. Here's a personal reminder. The personal reminder, friends, this morning is he chose you. He chose you. I want you to get your best preaching finger out. Would you do it? I want you to look at the person next to you. Point it at him. Tell him he chose you. Turn to the person on the other side. Tell him he chose you. Now take that preaching finger and plant it right in the sternum. And remind ourselves he chose you. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you. I've heard people say, and I may have said it myself, I didn't sign up for this. He chose you, my friend, to lead through the obstacles that we're facing right now. He chose you to do it. It's not an accident. It's not incidental. It's not happenstance or coincidence. He chose you and I to lead through a pandemic and he's chosen you to lead until it's over. He chose you and I to lead in our cultural context and in our church context. He chose you to serve in your present ministry context that specific task that he has stewarded you you with, whether it's children's ministry or youth ministry or being an executive or an associate pastor or women's pastor, men's pastor, lead pastor, solo pastor. He's chosen you for the context in which you find yourself right now. Sometimes, don't we question our call Monday morning (laughs) is one of those times. He's chosen you in your political, pandemic, geographic, demographic context. This is your slice of history. This is your moment in time. This is God's will for you to minister. None of us signed up for it. Instead, we were assigned to it. It's a world of difference. This pandemic, politically turbulent time is an assignment that the Lord has entrusted to us. You may have not signed up for the obstacles that you and I encounter. But friends, we have been stewarded with them. He chose you not only to to minister in the current cultural obstacles, but he also chose you to lead into the current cultural opportunities. How many of you know obstacles are often opportunities in disguise. At first, there's an emotional shock value to them. There comes that point at which your brain is spinning, you're processing, evaluating, 
assessing. I'll, I'll still never forget those initial meetings where President Trump and Dr. Fauci and others in, in the political and medical realms were telling us this thing's coming. And I was in denial. There's no way. And then they started introducing the possibility of a shutdown. There's no way our, our culture will do this. There's no way our economy can sustain this. And it happened. And there was that initial shock. And how do we, how do we function as a church when our very name bespeaks gatherings? Church, ecclesia, the called out ones. But the obstacle provided some unthinkable opportunities. Let me tell you about Jess Jones. Jess is one of our newest uh, uh, female lead pastors and she started leading at uh, Faith Assembly this past winter. And well, you know what? Instead of me telling her story, let's let Jess tell it. Go ahead. Becoming the lead pastor during the middle of a global pandemic was definitely interesting. People ask me what it's like to be a lead pastor, and I tell them that I don't know what being a lead pastor means normally, let alone in the middle of a pandemic. I think that it has just been a great opportunity for us as a church to embrace change and to really just follow what God's asking us to do. We have to follow him because there's no other constant right now. There's been no other constant um, uh, since I started. I think that as a church, we do a really great job at resourcing people uh, to love God. We do a good job at measuring how well they're loving God. But I think a lot of times we fall short in resourcing people to love their neighbor. We don't always do a great job at measuring how well our church is loving our community. And the greatest commandment says that loving people is just as important as loving God. So God really just challenged me with that. And in January, as we started to go into a new year that we didn't know what it was gonna look like, I really felt challenged to pray, God, how can we be the best neighbor in our community? And I challenged the church to pray for opportunities for us to be the best neighbors in our community. So as we were praying that, I, uh, I didn't expect God to answer so quickly or in such a big way. Uh, we started to pray in January and uh, near the very beginning of February, I got a phone call from Rural Compassion, which is part of Convoy of Hope. And they asked if we would be a distribution site for their farmers to family food boxes. Uh, and they told me that they weren't 100% sure that they would have a truck for us yet, uh, but asked if we'd wanna be put on the list. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, when, when are we gonna schedule the first truck? And they said, oh, well, this Sunday. And I said, wait, you mean in like three days? <laughs> and the guy said, yeah. How many forklifts does your church have? 
And I said, we don't even have a church van, let alone a forklift. So I immediately got off the phone with him and I started to call every community connection that I had. I did call our mayor, I called our veteran center, I called other local churches uh, to partner with us. I called some local schools that ended up partnering with us, our fire department, the police department, literally anybody that I knew in the community. We did end up getting a forklift and two 26-foot moving trucks to help us uh, distribute the food. We would be receiving 1,300 boxes of fresh, perishable food uh, on that Sunday. So in 48 hours, uh, the, the church pulled together, the community pulled together. We advertised, we put it on Facebook. We uh, spread by word of mouth. I also didn't know that that wasn't gonna be the only food truck. When they sign you up for one, you're automatically on the list for every Sunday for the next four weeks. We've had six trucks so far. So we had those four and then we've had uh, two in addition. There were a couple of times that first week that I almost called the distribution company and told them to find another church, find somebody who can do this better than we can. And God so convicted my heart that when he answers our prayer, we need to continue saying yes. I expected our congregation to step up and walk into that opportunity of serving and loving our community. But something I didn't expect was the community to come together and love each other really well. We had neighbors of the church that I had never met before. They came over to see why there was a semi-truck in our very small parking lot. And they came back every week that we were distributing food and volunteered all day long until the last box was gone. We had people see the outreach on Facebook and just show up to help. We had people from all over the place coming. We had people who would come one week and get food and they would come back the next week and volunteer and serve as a way to give back. It was just really cool to see how when you say yes to God and how, we, how when you step into the opportunities that He has for you, He really does provide everything that you need. He provides the people, He provides the resources, He provides the forklifts, He provides everything that you need to be able to walk forward in what He's asking you to do. And churches, I just wanna challenge you today Pray, pray big prayers, ask God for big things. God wants his church to grow more than you want his church to grow. And you need to seek God for what your community needs. It might not look like a food truck like we had, it might look like something else. But seek God and ask him, how can we be the best neighbor in the community that you've entrusted us with? If the pandemic's taught us anything, it's taught us that we need to support each other. It's taught us that we can't just stay in our comfort zone and do things the way that we've always done them. We need to be creative and we need to be willing to say yes to whatever God's asking us to do in this unique season that we find ourselves in. Isn't that a great story? Jess's testimony is just one of hundreds that show us that obstacles can become opportunities if we'll, if we'll open our heart up to what God wants to do. Jess also shared how that there were people from the neighborhood who just started showing up at the church. Folks who would have never probably, uh, they would have been unlikely to just do that for any other reason. But the virus, the pandemic, created the perfect circumstances in which non-church people 
many of the non-Christ followers started showing up and connecting to the church. Thank God, may our obstacles turn into opportunities. Here's a personal reminder. He chose you. He chose you for where you are, what you're doing in this slice of history. Secondly, here's a personal challenge from this verse. We need to reconnect to his appointment for us to be fruitful. Can you say a good amen? I have appointed you, Jesus said, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Faithfulness and fruitfulness. Sometimes I hear folks talk about faithfulness as if it's the option to fruitfulness. Oh, we don't get very much done, but we're faithful. It's not an either or equation. It is a both and equation. We must, of course, be faithful, but as we are faithful, we will be fruitful as well. Verse 16 talks about the quality of the fruit that we're supposed to bear for him. It's fruit that remains. May I challenge you this morning? Make sure that your ministry is always pointed toward those things that produce eternal results. There's, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of ministries. I've tuned in to a, a, a lot of podcasts, uh, AG and otherwise, throughout this pandemic. And, and I'll tell you, uh, sometimes I get a little concerned in the church because I feel like we've gathered folks for a TED Talk. We've been called to step up higher. Our word, the word that we preach, the word that comes from God's word produces eternal results. Fruit that remains quality and verse eight, quantity. Jesus, if you go back to verse eight, Jesus said that he wants us to bear much fruit. Much fruit meaning what? A lot of it. According to multiple reports, there is an enormous harvest that is taking place in our generation. I was reading another book by Rodriguez and he, he references the global south and how that millions of people are becoming Pentecostal believers in the global south. May it migrate to the global north. Can you say a good amen? In fact, uh, one research uh, a study sh uh, showed and claimed that about 19 million new Pentecostals are being brought into the kingdom every year. Wow. Opportunities exist. Will we take them or will God use someone else? Finally, there's a ministry resource that Jesus identifies in this passage. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This verse does not stand out of some context. Sometimes we use the promises as, as our own little buffet we pick and choose what they, what they mean and how they apply. 
Let's understand this particular promise in its particular context. Jesus is saying, I have called you. That's the context. I have ordained you to bear fruit. That's the context. And then whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. It's not talking about houses and cars and the the stuff that is destined to perish. The context demands that we apply it to fruitfulness for kingdom purposes. Can you say a good amen? amen? Do you need help in leadership? Ask the Father in Jesus' name and he'll give it to you. I love to go back to our early days in Uniontown. Church started out, we started out with 39 people. And I told Robin when we accepted the position, I said, you understand this means I might be delivering pizzas. And Robin has always been my rock. And her response to that is, was whatever it means, this is God's will, we're going to do it. And we got into Uniontown and God blessed and the church began to grow. We started seeing people come to faith in Christ. And in that context, the church started growing faster than we had the ability to disciple those who were getting saved. And I can remember uh, going to prayer one day and I said, Lord, this is bigger than me. It's growing faster than I can manage. What are we going to do with this? And so Lord, here's my prayer. Please send me a couple of leaders who are ready right out of the box. You, ever, you don't have to put them together. You know what I'm talking about? You just open up the box and plug and play, ready to go. And within two months, I remember this one fellow, his name was Bernie. And Bernie had been a member up at Monroeville Assembly of God, about 50 miles north of us. And he was transferring to our area because work was transferring him. And he, he met me after service one day and Bernie said, Pastor, I like your ministry. I like this church. I feel led to come here. I'll be back in a couple of months with my wife and we're gonna serve the Lord. And I'll tell you, my, my gut level re re response was, yeah, right. We'll never see him again. Because how many of you have had those promises that were made and, 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 and nothing materialized out? Maybe I'm alone. Two months later, Bernie and Gloria showed up. And he, he was a man of faith, a man of the word. He could preach and teach. And he was on the board at one time at Monroeville. And he was a gift from God. And, and, and after a year of being with us, he got elected to the board. And, and his first day on the board, he made a statement. He said, fellas, I know you don't know me well, and I haven't been here as long as you. But God has called me here to support him. You're my best friend. 
and he was true to his word. And Bernie wasn't the only gift that God sent us. There was another fellow who had been disenfranchised from church life and he, he just got discouraged. He quit going to church for a couple of years and he came to our church and he was on our board within a couple of years. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, can you believe this? Do you need leadership in your church? Do you need other disciples? Do you need the gift of evangelism in your church? Unless my Bible is wrong and we know it's not. Jesus said whatever. Whatever you ask the Father, the context is I've called you. I'm going to resource you. The context is I've mandated you to bear fruit. I'm going to help you with that. Do you need help producing fruitful results? Whatever you ask the Father in Jesus' name, he'll give it to you. I got an email with a newsletter from, from Dennis and Jenny Duncan about a month ago, and they were praying in their Muslim context for results. Listen to their story. Well, this is Dennis and Jenny Duncan serving in Central Eurasia. And first of all, we just want to say thank you so much for your faithful support of our work here. Uh, through this pandemic time, you guys have been so faithful and uh, we're so appreciative. But we just wanted to give you an update of what God's doing in our area of the world. Uh, we started this year with a 21-day Daniel fast seeking God for his harvest. And also two years ago, the Lord had given us a prophecy that this year we would see a harvest. We, we've seen things happen the last two years, but truly this year we're starting to see a fulfillment of that prophecy and our prayers answered. Uh, right after that fast, I felt like the Lord challenged us to get people into God's Word through the Discover Bible app. And so we have a social meetup group that we have 2,000 members right now. We sent out a blast out email to all of them. Also, we have about 100 people in our chats, you know, our WhatsApp chat group. We blast it out to them, inviting people to study God's Word with us, and people are responding. And uh, so one young Turkish man responded to my email. I'm going every week with him, twice a week, on uh, Romans, and we're doing Discover Bible App studies online in our home. And Jenny has some testimonies as well. Another girl, she's a Turk, um, she came to my home, and we had been talking with her prior to this, and we just knelt down on the floor by the couch and just... It just gave her heart to Jesus, and it was just so good. We also have an Iranian girl named Fatima, and she said just recently, I want to be baptized to be born again on my born day, on my birthday. So we're going to baptize her just in a couple of days. Yeah, and then we're working alongside with the Turkish church here also, and um, they're out every week sharing their faith. And one last, just, just about a week and a half ago, they were out along the beach area sharing and giving testimonies. And they invited people to come to the church the next following day for their church meeting on a Friday night. We were there. And uh, this young Turkish mother brought her five-year-old son to the prayer meeting, to the worship meeting. 
And uh, one of our Turkish leaders was speaking to her, testifying to her about God's power. And, uh, and then they, she told us her son is blind in her left, his left eye. He can't see anything out of it. So we gathered around and prayed for him. And after our first round of prayers, he says, I can see something, but it's black. And then we said, well, let's pray again. We prayed the second time. He says, I can see it blurry. Something's blurry. And then he would pray again. And then when I went back to the church on Monday, he said the young boy had gone home, told his mother, told his father. I can, I see, can see, yeah, both eyes clearly. So Jesus. the mother gave her heart to the Lord and uh, the father's coming. But this is what God's doing, and yes. we, we couldn't do it without your prayers, your support. We just wanted to give this wonderful update. God bless you, and have a, a great summit. We love you, Bendel. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, can you say thank the Lord? Wow. It can happen in your context, too. Can you say a good amen? I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come back to the platform as we bring this in for a landing. My prayer throughout this pandemic has been... Lord, let there be a great awakening in our country. Let there be a great revival in our churches. Our society doesn't need a revival. They need an awakening. It's Jesus' church that needs the revival. And I know that the, the coals of the fire have been spread out for this last year. It's time to gather them together and get a good fire going. I was talking to a pastor last week well I'll tell you it was my son Donnie had Tim Enloe come up and he has, Donnie's seen some people come to know Jesus in his church and Tim came up and did a Holy Spirit conference and on Sunday night Sunday night imagine that 20 people got baptized in the Holy Spirit And that's not isolated. We're hearing reports of these things happening throughout the district. It can happen in your context. Youth pastors, it can happen in your youth group. Kids pastors, it can happen in kids' church. Lead pastors, it can happen in the main sanctuary. We need a Holy Ghost revival today. God visit us with a great spiritual revival. I was talking with another pastor over dinner uh, last week and he was just sharing about the unusual favor that God had given in his church. And he said, Easter Sunday, they counted 100 people who responded to the gospel. It can happen in your context. It can happen in your church. People being saved, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's re-engage. It's time. This thing is coming to a close, albeit very slowly. I thought that we'd be done with these by now. Well, it's still happening. But God's still moving. And God's power is as real today as it was before the pandemic. Where are you, Pastor? You may be here today, fellow ministers, and you're tired. At first, we thought that the pandemic might give us a break. Ha! It required more. 
more brain power, more soul power, more engagement, more intentionality, pivoting, uh, introducing new means and methods to our ministry. And I know some of you are tired. We're gonna pray for you in just a moment that God renew your spirit and refresh your soul. It was the psalmist who said, crying out to God, will you not revive us again? that we may rejoice in you. Whatever it is you need, I believe God has a supply for you on this Tuesday morning. I'm going to ask our presbyters and their spouses to come out into the middle aisles right now. Would you do that, friends? Some of you can come around the front and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This morning, can we just be honest? transparent and this morning if you're feeling like I need a whatever answer in my life and ministry right now I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and go to some of these uh, to our presbyters our leaders and and let them pray with you let them pray for you it's been a difficult journey it's not over yet but I'm here to tell you God is able to make us fruitful in the season that we find ourselves. We didn't sign up for it, but God signed us up for it. Let's not leave here this morning limping. Let's leave with a fresh infilling of his power. Would you do that? Let's all stand together.